الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى خصوصا على سيد الرسل وخاتم الأنبياء وعلى آله وأصحابه الذين اجتبى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وجاهدوا في الله حق جهاده هو اجتباكم وما جعل عليكم في الدين من حرج ملة أبيكم إبراهيم هو سماكم المسلمين من قبل وفي هذا ليكون الرسول شهيدا عليكم وتكونوا وتكونوا شهداء على الناس فأقيموا الصلاة وآتوا الزكاة واعتصموا بالله هو مولاكم فنعم المولى ونعم النصير صدق الله العظيم الله سبحانه وتعالى instructing every believer telling us jahidu fillahi haqqa jihadi struggle for the deen of allah as much as it deserves to be struggled for in simple words how much are we supposed to do for it that we can say i have done enough at what point a person can say, now I did what I was supposed to do for the deen, now I need to do other things in my life. Haqqa <clears throat> jihadih is answering all of those questions that when is it a person that would be able to say, I have done enough. If we know Allah's haqq on us, if we know Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's haqq on us, how much right Allah has on us, how much right Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has on us? Maybe a question we never asked ourselves. I know that my family have haqq on me. I know my children have a haqq on me. I know neighbors have haqq on me. My relatives have haqq on me. But never thought that even Allah has hukuk on me. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has a lot of hukuk on me. So many rights. This deen that we have, through which we are being 
not just believers, the true human beings, the way Allah wants us to behave as human beings, the deen through which we are not only connected to the moon and the stars, we are connected to the creator of the moon and the stars. We are connected to the best one ever can we can we can ever connect to. Huwa maulakum. He is your maula. He's your helper. He's your supporter. Fanamal maula wa naman nasir. He is the best helper, best supporter, and best as a friend also. This deen came to us with a lot of struggle. There is a lot of sacrifice behind it. There is a history of sacrifice. If we look at the history of the sacrifice through which today we are able to get the deen in our lives, we are able to follow this deen of Allah. And we see that if I follow it, the way it was brought by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I see this difficulty and this difficulty. You know, there are certain ways I can do them. It's not the time for it. There are these sunnas. I think we should just leave them because they are only sunnas. And then these ibadat, I think we can postpone them. We can wait. Until it's the right time. If Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam would have waited the way we are waiting, if Bilal radiallahu anhu would have waited the way we are waiting, if Khabbab radiallahu anhu, Ammar radiallahu anhu, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and Ali radiallahu alayhi majma'een, and the other Sahaba radiallahu alayhi majma'een, if they would have use the same mentality that we are using today and waited the way we are waiting and they would have hidden things the way we are hiding them and if they would have waited until it's the right time for them to follow it without having to go through any difficulty it's guaranteed that we would not have been Muslim today. What does that tell us? Continue now. Go to the next step. It's their efforts. And then continuous effort from that time until this day through which we are Muslims today and able to hold on to our deen. Now ask ourselves, how would our generations be able to hold on to this deen? Is it by us just waiting for the right time or we have to do what our ancestors did for us. Maybe a question we need to our, ask ourselves, for how long do we want this deen to continue after us? For how long we want this deen to be established and be, people be able to follow it after us? How many generations? Just look at next generation after us. We need to just look at our own children. How much have they studied of the aqaid? How much of have they studied of the seerah? 
How much have they studied the Quran? We are so happy that they, in Sunday school they have learned few surahs. Oh, he can read Inna Atina. He can read Al Qari'atum Al Qari'a. Ask your child. Maybe a very interesting question. Ask your child someday, son, can you quote me one ayah of Quran that you think you are following in your life? Forget about our children. How about we ask ourselves? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah will tell us, okay, bring me a short surah that you understood you followed properly throughout your life and go to Jannah. Which surah would you recite? This deen came to us after a lot of struggle. We can't just let it die like this. This is an amana, trust from Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on our shoulders. And as we got it fresh, knowing each and every detail, not only through books, by seeing our ancestors following it, we need to pass it on in the same way. Otherwise, it will remain in the books, but not in the lives of people. This deen, the noor of the deen, does not come from book to book. It comes from heart to heart. It's a noor. You can write as much as you want about a light. But people will benefit from the light only when it's turned on. We can write as much as we want about the seerah, about the history of Islam, about the beauty of Islam, but people will be able to see the noor and the beauty of Islam only once it's in our lives, not through the books. Today, this is the ongoing war. The world is telling us, look at what Muslims are doing. And we are saying, see what's written in our books. Isn't it this what's happening right now? They're telling us, see what you people are doing. And we are saying, no, no, don't look at us. Read what's in the books. You don't want to read books. I want to see you. You are a Muslim, aren't you? Why aren't you following them? If you believe in what's in that book, then why don't you follow it? If you truly love your prophet, then why don't you follow him? If you're getting so emotional when we say something about your prophet, how come you're not doing what he was doing? Many years back, a person is after spending over 25 years in jail in New York City. During that 25 years, I don't know if any of you have visited the prison, and I did many times. These people have a lot of time to read. And Allah opens their hearts for hidayah many times when they are in that state. This person who read a lot about Islam, books of hadith, translation of Quran, books on seerah, sahaba, all of that. He comes out, he went to a masjid, because he wants to now be with the Muslim community to follow, to be able to follow Islam. 
After spending some time in that masjid, he went to another one, a third one, and fourth one, and finally he asked, he said, I want to, I'm looking for that group of people that follow that Islam that I have studied in the books. I can't find those. No, we, we, are, we are these people. We are the people who follow the Quran and the Sunnah. No. What you're doing is different than what I have read over there. When the person read the life of Sahaba Ridwanullah, he comes to our masajid, he looks around, he said, no, no, no way. In no way this group of people resembles the one that we read about in those books. You know the hadith in the Sihah. A person would enter the masjid of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sahaba are sitting around Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the masjid. And the newcomer would come in and ask, Ayyukum Muhammad, who's Muhammad out of you? You all look alike. Today we don't have to ask, who's the Imam? Imam is in that dress. Imam is the one who has the beard. Imam is the one who has something on his head. But, the rest of us, we are not Imams. So don't expect anything that, like that from us. See, that distinction, was there a distinction like this between Rasulullah and Sahaba? This is something that we learn from other religions, that the religious leader has to have some special type of look and dress and all of that. And rest of the people, they don't have to. Sahaba Ridwanullah didn't say, no, this is Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So now we are not going to look like him. In fact, they made sure they look like him. The point is that this deen will come into the world not by writing articles, not by making movies, not by establishing websites. It will come by us bringing it into our lives. Because this, this deen is noor. And noor will not come through papers, it will come through hearts. Those papers do not have the power of accommodating the noor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This noor was meant to be established in the hearts of people, in the lives of people, so people around us will see that noor. If our own children do not see the noor in our lives, they never seen their parents reading Qur'an. And then we tell them, you know, you need to make sure you read Qur'an every day. But dad, I don't think you do it because I'm busy. Son, I have work. You don't have work. Okay. So when I have work, I'm not supposed to read Qur'an. Dad, I don't see you going to masjid for Salat al-Fajr. And you're telling me it's important to pray in the masjid. It's a fact that this is being our practical life means more than our words. In fact, many times when there is a contradiction, it confuses those people. 
It makes them wonder that if he means what he's saying, then why is he not doing it? Ma'am, when I read about Ummahat al-Mu'mineen, I read about Banat al-Mutahharat, the daughters of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I read about Sahabiyyat. I see something different than what we see in our home. Where the difference is coming from. After the battle of Uhud, a Sahabiya heard that her son was murdered. She came out asking about her son, ran out of home in that state and met a group of Sahaba that were coming back from Uhud and she asked, was my son murdered? They said, Subhanallah, you heard the news, وَخَرَجْتِ وَأَنْتِ مُنْتَقِبًا And you left home, and you remembered to put your niqab on. This was the question of those sahaba who surprisingly asked, that you didn't forget to put even your niqab in this situation. You know, many times in that type of shock, the person doesn't know what he's doing, he runs out of the home. وَخَرَجْتِ وَأَنْتِ مُنْتَقِبًا You left home in the state and you, that you didn't forget the niqab, you put even your niqab on. And look at the wordings of those, that sahabiyya. She said, إِنْ أَرْزَأُ إِبْنِي فَلَنْ أَرْزَأْ حَيَائِي If I have lost my son, I haven't lost my haya. I have lost my son, but not my haya, not my modesty. This is when it comes into the life. When it becomes part of our life. It came to us, when those people followed it, they had to go through much more difficulty and struggle than we can ever think about today. For us, what is it? What is it that people would do to us? And listen to this hadith which is narrated by Imam Tabrani rahimahullah and Imam Abu Nu'aym rahimahullah on the authority of Jubair ibn Nufayr radiyallahu anhu who says that once we were sitting with Miqdad radiyallahu anhu and a person said to Miqdad radiyallahu anhu I wish we would have seen what you have seen with your eyes and wishes and blessed are these eyes that have seen Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You are so lucky. We missed that time. And Khabbab radiallahu anhu got upset. So Nufayr says, I was shocked. The person didn't say anything wrong. There is nothing to be upset about. Why are you upset? Khabbab radiallahu anhu explained. He said, do you remember and you know that majority of the people that were there at that time, they could not stand the test that we had to go through and now they are in Jahannam. Then he said, you thank Allah that Allah established iman and deen in this world through the efforts of some other people that came before you and you are enjoying the blessings of this deen. 
without having to go through that all of that test and that struggle. And he said, Wallah, he says, I swear by Allah, when Rasulullah came to the world, it was the most difficult time to educate people comparing to any time of the time of any of the Anbiya. Because he came at a time when there was a long gap between Anbiya. People forgot the teachings of Anbiya. And then it was full ignorance. They never considered any way of life better than worshipping the idols. They would not accept anything against idol worshipping in their lives. When Rasulullah came, he said, Rasulullah suffered so much on their hands that we had no way of supporting him, of standing for him, of doing anything. We were just trying to protect our lives. Ali radiallahu anhu, he gave a khutbah. The hadith is narrated by Imam Bazzar rahimahullah in his musnad. During the khutbah, Ali radiallahu anhu asked the people, Man nas? Who do you think is the most brave person out of all? And Ali radiallahu anhu for sure is known for his bravery. So right away people said, Anta ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, Amir al-Mu'mineen. He was Amir al-Mu'mineen at that time. Anta, you are the bravest people. You are the bravest of all people. He said, you know, it's a fact that when I were, whenever I sparred with anyone, I gave him a good lesson. But if you are asking about the bravest of all people, he said, that cannot be anyone other than Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Then he cited two examples. He said, barrel of Badr. We built a small shed for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And we are seeing the enemies on the other hand. We are only 313 or less. We don't have any weapons on us. And those people are fully equipped. So after building the shed for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we started asking each other, "May yahrusu Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam? Who is going to hear, be here to guard Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam? We can't have too many people because we are already small in number. So we can have one person, and everyone decided it. No one can be better than Abu Bakr to be over here. Ali radiallahu anhu said, "We were in the battlefield, and Abu Bakr stood there, and Kufar's full." Attention was at this shed where Rasulullah is resting. You know, that is the where Rasulullah is. That's the main target. And he said, Abu Bakr anhu made sure no one could even get close to the shed of Rasulullah. He said, We realize how brave he was. And then he cited another example. He said, When we were in Mecca, Ali was a young boy. So he said, One day, I went by the Kaaba. Quraysh, they grabbed Rasulullah sallallahu they surrounded him. The whole gangster is standing there and Prophet sallallahu is standing in the middle. And they are asking him, are you the one who cursed our idols? 
and someone is pushing him, someone is punching him, someone is kicking him, and people are arguing with him, and he is responding to all of those people, and we are sitting far watching, we couldn't do nothing, because he is in the middle of that circle, you cannot get to him. And he said, while this is going on, and they are saying, أَأَنْتَ جَعَلْتَ الْآلِهَةَ إِلَاهُمْ wahida." The ayah of Surah Saad. This is what they said. This is what the Quran is referring to. That they were saying, are you the one who made all the idols to be one idol? And then they will punch him, they will punch him, someone will kick him, someone will push him. He said, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu found out and he came running to the scene. And he went in the middle of that circle, pushed everyone aside. And he went all the way until he made it to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And now he started pushing people away. And he is now protecting Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam from every corner. And getting all the hit on his body, making sure no one can touch Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he was at that time saying, shouting at them and saying, أَتَقْتُلُونَ رَجُلًا أَنْ يَقُولَ رَبِّيَ اللَّهُ are you killing this man only because he says, My Lord is Allah? As I said, it's a history. It's not just incident. It's a history. We really need to look at this history. To appreciate what was done on, for, on our behalf. For us to be able to pray today in this masjid. For us to be able to say, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. For our children to be able to stand with their iman and go to the schools with their iman and say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadur Rasulullah. It didn't just come. There was a lot of a struggle. We need to appreciate that. We need to make sure now we keep the fruits. At least now we don't have to offer all of that struggle, but at least let our generations be able to benefit from the fruits of that struggle. Pass it on. Keep it up. Hold up to the deen of Allah, to the faraid of Islam, to the sunnahs of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, to the teachings and the alm and the knowledge that was taught by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, so our people after us can benefit from this, from this alm and from this deen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to, fir to, to firmly follow our deen. To be able to follow our deen without any hesitation, without any reservations, and without any conditions. We just fully follow the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And may Allah allow us to be in the chain of those who were able to follow, the, who were able to pass on this deen to the generations that are coming after them. May Allah make us part of the chain as it came from Rasulullah 